0: Discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Fildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Europe. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with a Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Maestro Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, models of decision making, and on the way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius serves as the prior of Saint Anselm's in Rome. The Holy Rule of Saint Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Mauritius.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We continue on our journey with a little prince.
1: Yes. We uh, left his planet together with him. We uh, landed on the planet of the king, of the drunkard, of the lamplighter. And so we are continuing our journey. And the question that arose to me was how can we bridge the gap? between all these different figures that are sitting on their planets, or in other words, how can we bridge the gap between each of us as human beings? If this is true, that each of us lives in his own world, has his own language, his own time, sense of time, his own meanings and purpose, how can we ever how can we ever come closer to each other are we just these isolated figures as human beings or is there a way to make friends and to become familiar to each other without denying or neglecting the fact that we are still of different worlds and still um, have to respect that nobody really knows the mystery of, of his neighbor.
0: That ideal of friendship, of a true friendship, sometimes we ache, don't we, so much for a relationship, any kind of relationship. We fall into friendships, quote-unquote friendships, that really don't bear the term, do they?
1: Yes, that is true. We have many friends maybe on Facebook and many people who would call us friends. But to have somebody whom we really can call friend, it's a different story. I think it all starts with our brokenness. And that sounds maybe strange, but... This is how it started with the little prince. The little prince had to leave his planet. Why did he leave his planet? Because he couldn't deal, I mentioned this before in another interview, he couldn't deal with a flower that was growing on his planet. Actually, it was a rose, a pretty, pretty rose. And he loved this rose. He just loved it. But she took advantage of that and started to control him. So she was actually very vain. This is how the little prince describes her. And so she began to hurt him and began to cause him grief. He just couldn't handle it anymore. He was able to handle his volcanoes, you know, to... to To make sure that they don't break out any again, again he was able to to uh, handle the baobabs, these big trees, that they wouldn't take over his planet. But he was not able to live on one planet with his rose. There are some scholars who say the rose might stand for Saint wife, from uh, whom. He divorced. Actually, he separated from, from this uh, lady. So a very, it was a very beautiful lady. So some say that he kind of uh, worked into this novella, into this story, his own history and his own uh, love um, that finally was a too big challenge for him. And so what I want to say at this point is it all starts as we break. We cannot become true friends to others if we are not broken. Or in the imagery of the little prince, he had to leave his world behind. He um, hang on to um, geese and kind of was flying away from his planet and then starting his journey. And that made it, made him open for new friendships. I think it is a spiritual principle that we are encountering here. That we have to let go. That we have to finally become detached from. All those things who want to take over, who are not really us, or in jesus' words from luke seventeen thirty three whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses it will save it, so in a way, it's probably true for all of us that those friends, those very few friends that we have. They mostly are the ones who we got to know when we were weak or beginners or at least open, to be broken open. So we shouldn't be afraid of crises in our lives. We shouldn't be afraid of situations where we have to leave our comfort zone because only then we can make new friends The same happened to the pilot because the narrator here in this novella is Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, but he is the pilot. He crashed. He crashed in the desert. So this is where this relationship started. The little prince was wandering around and the pilot had crashed. So those two were really open for each other.
0: I can't let this go by, Father Mauritius, the good Benedictine pr- tradition, and not bring up the, the imagery of the desert. That for the pilot who is listening and experiencing this encounter with the little prince, that it happens in the desert.
1: Yeah. This is not an accident. The whole novella is very close. To a monastic spirituality, why? because, as I said before, every figure in this story sits on its its own planet, which means is kind of alone, so here we have the the motive of uh, loneliness and being alone with god so and the desert w- used to be the favorite place for the monks. This is how monasticism came into being, at least in the Western world. As you know, the first monks lived in Egypt in the desert, Anthony the Great, Pacomius. And still today, the monks withdraw from the world and retire to places that are very remote, they are kind of looking out for the desert because they had, they have made exactly this experience that only in the desert, where you cannot hang on to worldly things anymore, to those things who keep you away from a good relationship with God, only there you can really meet God. But we don't have to go into the desert. We don't have to go into to a remote place necessarily. Life itself leads us into deserts for example when a relationship breaks when we are hurt when we mourn a loss when we encounter a an illness these are all situations or when we go to crisis situations in which we are in the desert and the desert is a good place to be We often forget about this. It's a good place to be.
0: Yeah, I guess it bears repeating that for this particular pilot as well. He doesn't go there. He crashes there.
1: Right. God wants to meet us at places where we don't want to be. You can see this very often in the gospel. Jesus meets the people where they don't want to be. For example... Sakeo on the tree. He felt so ashamed when Jesus discovered him. Yeah, exactly where he feels ashamed, where he's afraid, where he feels so short and small, this is where Jesus wants to meet him. This is where he wants to connect with him. Again, when we are weak, then we are strong. So our weaknesses, and the desert is kind of a an image for for the area for the space where uh, where we are not strong anymore we cannot we don't have anything to hand we are totally dependent on this little water that we might get a little something to eat so it's a good place and life leads us into this place and lent is a time where we dive into this desert And everybody should have desert times in his life.
0: So in this time in the desert and in this encounter with the little prince, it is an opportunity, as you said, to to reflect on that encounter with friendship, I mean, that, that interaction. And we've said it over and over and over again in this, but it goes back to relationship, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. Because you are just grateful to encounter another human being in the desert. You know, if you, if you meet another human being, you cannot take this for granted in the desert. The desert is the place where nobody lives. So to meet somebody in the desert kind of automatically connects you with him in a very deep way. I want to read to you how the little prince learned to make a friend. He learned it from the fox, actually. Not from the pilot, but from the fox. It's chapter 21. It was then that the fox appeared. Good morning, said the fox. Good morning. The little prince answered politely, though when he turned around he saw nothing. I am here, the voice said, under the apple tree. "'Who are you?' the little prince asked. "'You are very pretty. I am a fox,' the fox said. "'Come and play with me,' the little prince proposed. "'I am feeling so sad.' "'I can't play with you,' the fox said. "'I am not tamed.' "'Ah, excuse me,' said the little prince, "'but upon reflection he added, "'What does tamed mean?' ''You are not from around here,'' the fox said. ''What are you looking for?'' ''I am looking for people,'' said the little prince. ''What does tamed mean?'' ''People,'' said the fox, ''have guns and they hunt. It's quite troublesome. And they also raise chickens. That's the only interesting thing about them.'' ''Are you looking for chickens?'' ''No.'' said the little prince. I am looking for friends. What does tamed mean? It's something that's been too often neglected. It means to create ties. To create ties? That's right, the fox said. For me, you are only a little boy, just like a hundred thousand other little boys, and I have no need of you. And you have no need of me either. For you, for you, I am only a fox like a hundred thousand other foxes. But if you tame me, we will need each other. You will be the only boy in the world for me. I will be the only fox in the world for you. I am beginning to understand, the little prince said. There is a flower. I think... "'She has tamed me.' "'Possibly,' the fox said. "'On Earth, one sees all kinds of things.' "'Oh, this isn't on Earth,' the little prince said. "'The fox seemed quite intrigued. "'On another planet?' "'Yes.' "'Are there hunters on that planet?' "'No.' "'Now that's interesting.' "'And chickens?' "'No.' Mm, "'Nothing is perfect.' sighed the fox but he returned to his idea my life is monotonous I hunt chickens people hunt me all chickens are just alike and all men are just alike so I'm rather bored but if you tame me my life will be filled with sunshine I will know the sound of footsteps that will be different from all the rest other footsteps send me back underground Yours will call me out of my burrow like music. And then look, you see the wheat fields over there? I don't eat bread. For me wheat is of no use whatever. Wheat fields say nothing to me, which is sad. But you have hair the color of gold. So it will be wonderful once you have tamed me. The wheat, which is golden, will remind me of you and I love the sound of the wind in the wheat. The fox fell silent and stared at the little prince for a long while. Please tame me, he said. I'd like to, the little prince replied, but I haven't much time. I have friends to find and so many things to learn. The only things you learn are the things you tame, said the fox. People haven't time to learn anything. They buy things ready-made in stores, but since there are no stores where you can buy friends, people no longer have friends. If you want a friend, tame me. What do I have to do? asked the little prince. You have to be very patient, the fox answered. First, You'll sit down a little ways away from me, over there in the grass. I'll watch you out of the corner of my eye, and you won't say anything. Language is the source of misunderstandings. But day by day, you'll be able to sit a little closer. The next day, the little prince returned. It would have been better to return at the same time, the fox said. For instance, if you come at four in the afternoon, I begin to be happy by three. The closer it gets to four, the happier I'll feel. By four, I will be all excited and worried. I'll discover what it costs to be happy. But if you come at any old time, I'll never know when I should prepare my heart. There must be rights. What is a right? asked the little prince. That's another thing that's been too often neglected, said the fox. It's the fact that one day is different from the other days, one hour from the other hours. My hunters, for example, have a right. They dance with the village girls on Thursdays. So Thursdays are wonderful days. I can take a stroll all the way through the vineyards. If the hunters danced whenever they chose, the days would all be just alike, and I'd have no holiday at all. The first thing that we learn from the little prince and the fox is that it takes time to make true friends. If we don't invest time We won't find friends. Every day the prince learned something new from the fox. Friendship grows, comes into being. A new world comes into being. The second thing we learn is you need to be present. You cannot buy a friendship. The only way you can gain a friend, tame him, is by being around, being present, being there. It's not so much a thing of doing something, it's more a thing of being there. If I still want something from my friend that I want to, from the one whom I want to befriend, if I still want something from this person, then I haven't really left my world yet. I have to leave behind my intentions, my purpose, what I have to start anew for this person. He is worth it, she is worth it. So that finally, both of us having left our worlds, can create a new world together. And that takes time.
0: It's so interesting when you, when you phrase it that way, because well, up to my mind and my heart, was that you have to love, give, and expect nothing. Because when you use the term, if you want something from the friend, there is something inside of you that has a need and you're not just being you're not just presenting but you're consuming in a way a part of that person right or if on the flip side of that you're you love give and expect and you're going to be hurt and yet you're you're give you're involved with them that too there's there's some type of damage or some kind of need that has to be addressed in that wound but when you can just Love, give and expect nothing, just be present mm-hmm. then is that what you are saying then is really in a very real way true friendship
1: hmm I would say so um as long as you um use the other person, you know if I have a need for for whatever, and I think, oh, you could kind of uh um serve this need then I'm still using you. It is another thing to meet with our needs. So actually the needs are good because the needs in the desert, we are all needy. We can only have friends if we show ourselves in our neediness. So it's not a bad thing to to be open to our needs, but the way how the other will serve me finally is not in my control. I'm not supposed to kind of uh, predetermine how this should be as long as I try this i 'm not open for him as or her as a person
0: there's a what you're speaking of is a very healthy response in relationship as opposed to uh, that that area in weakness where we may try to manipulate somebody in that area of control. We may not even realize we're doing it that I'm going to love you so much, and I'm going to give to you so much, there's an expectation that, well, then, of course, you're going to do that for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, that's different, isn't it, than what you're saying?
1: It, it is different. It's a subtle difference, <laughs> but it's a big difference. Um, you need a selflessness to really have a friend. I must say, though, that probably we all start our friendships and relationships not this way, and we don't have to. In the beginning, certainly the other um, serves our needs, and we complement each other, and the other has a function for me. But as we grow together, we are invited to become more and more selfless and more and more just, happy, to be this with this person, because she or he is this person, I personally can only do this with my faith, you know, really deeply believing that Christ lives in in the other person um, so there's something in the other person that is so great, so wonderful, so worth accepting that I can just be open, not wanting anything, not expecting anything, and certainly not manipulating.
0: You know, I'm struck by Thomas Merton when he would talk about the true self as Mm -hmm. opposed to the false self. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that that same type of projection could be made onto our relationships, the true true friendship, the true relationship, and the false relationship. False friendship. Is that could that case be made?
1: Mm, yes. I, I would say so. The the false relationship or friendship is the one that got stuck somewhere and um hasn't reached a point of true love and true freedom yet. However, we shouldn't be concerned so much about how true and spiritual our friendship is, we should rather be concerned about how true am I myself. in other words if if you live together with a person or if you have a friend, you will encounter both your false self and your true self. This is the beauty of relationships and friendships that they make you encounter both selves, and help you to let go the false self. It just happens automatically in the marriage or in the community, in the religious community. You you start out with a big deal of false self, and hopefully and certainly also of true self, but over time this false self uh, surfaces just automatically because the others, they see it, and they will tell you. (laughs) They tell you. They make you know there's something not right, there's something false. This is not you. And this causes certainly some suffering and friction and conflict, and the worst thing is to break up the relationship at this point, which very often happens. Instead, you should just stick with this person because the person can teach you something. A good friend is only somebody who can also tell you things that are not pleasant to hear. This is a true friend, not the one who tells you all the things that you want to hear. No, he's free. He's free to tell you whatever he thinks he should tell you. So in other words, just being together is enough. Spend time together, be present to each other, and this will help you to more and more bring out your true self. And as you have As you have developed your true self, it sounds a little bit kind of uh, mechanic what I'm saying now, but life is more complex. But as you are developing your true self, the relationship will become better, more stable, more lovely, more respectful, and freer. So if just each of the partners or the friends works on himself, this is sufficient to make this relationship a true relationship a true friendship so when you have reached a certain stage of maturity you are still not free from temptations and from the risk to break this friendship so the risk is always there you have always to work on the friendship but still you have better a better condition to 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 sustain this friendship because you are not fooled by yourself so much anymore, by your own self, false self.
0: It's as though it maybe the word developing, it, it could be in the context, especially for us as Catholics, we, we really can't say we're Eucharistic people if we don't believe in the power of transformation. <laughs> uh, and conversion, that moving towards continually turning towards Christ, which brings us back to that great Benedictine rock tumbler where you put all the rocks in and mm-hmm. they bang against each other. And right. before you know it, you've got a lot of smooth rocks.
1: Right, right. Mm. And this is also what we see in this story with the little prince. Every day they come a little closer. Every day they move a little closer. And this is what friendship is. Um, it takes time and it is changed because the next day you have to move to a different place another day to a different place and so on and so on there's never such thing like a still stand you have always as you said to be transformed to be changed and we are those rocks who over time make sure just by clashing and by um, getting at each other that we become Smoother and smoother and softer and softer. But at the same time, we still remain to be rocks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and stones mm-hmm. and rocks. But yeah. we get along a little bit better then.
0: <laughs> well, maybe it's the, it, what happens in that tumbler as you move from just being a rock to being a jewel.
1: Oh, that's a beautiful image. Right. Yes.
0: Any final thoughts?
1: Yes. I, the, the fox recommends the little prince to have rights. Rituals, And this is so important for friendships. We need to have certain times, opportunities, occasions on which we call somebody or write somebody or meet with somebody. And this is basically how the friendship between the monks and God works. We meet five times a day at the Liturgy of the Hours. That's the basic idea. If if God would have to wait for us every morning, oh, when are these guys coming? Are they at 5.30 coming? Or are they coming at 6.30? No, they are coming at 6. And God, God is already delighted to wait for us at 5 because he knows the monks in Schuyler are coming at 6 to praise me. And the same thing, hopefully, with the monks. They look forward to the point Hopefully at five fifteen or so, whenever we get up, oh, at six I will be able to praise the Lord again and to chant for Him. So, the life of a monk is is very much ritualized. We have many many rituals, and the reason is exactly this: what um, Santek Supari points to, friendship needs rites. A rite means to repeat something and so let the heart settle in this repeating movement rights if you understand them right are never boring rights make the days the year different think about the church year we celebrate Easter every year is it every year the same for you? it is not We are looking forward to celebrate Easter or to celebrate Christmas, whatever it is during the year, or the feast of a saint. We are looking forward to celebrate this feast. We need that because we want to connect with the saint in friendship. At the same time, it's never boring because he's present and I'm present in Christ.
0: It's the same with the actual rituals, too. Uh, Father Mauritius, I mean, even in the con- in that smaller period of time, it, we have that whole encounter with the Word, and then it takes us that movement into to the altar and to the reception, and then we're out. And then we come back, and it's constantly moving, aren't we? We're constantly right. Right. in movement.
1: Yeah, the the word ritus. Uh, the original Latin word means way, the way. So here you have the dynamic element already. A rite is a way, is a kind of journey. The liturgy in itself is a journey, you know, the Holy Eucharist. It's its a way. You know, you have all these stations, kind of, that you are passing, and everybody knows this is what has to come next, and this is important, that we have this same um, process and procedures and uh, rituals each time we're celebrating it and and it wants us to become moving to be to to get moving to convert to be transformed as you said
0: take from this father Mauritius
1: mm-hmm. I would like at the end of this episode to um put our focus turn our focus towards Jesus. I was wondering, how is Jesus dealing with friends? What what are his friends? Who are his friends? How did he make friends? And I recall John chapter 1, verse 39, when he says, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. So the apostles did the very same. Jesus invited them, be with me, take time to be with me. And they stayed with him. And this is how the friendship grew. On another level, you could say that God spends time with us in Jesus because Jesus became incarnate, entered time and space, became a human being. By doing this, he started to spend time with us. This is how he made us friends. He spent 30 years with us. And he was present. The only thing he did was, he was present. He was present to his mother, to his father. He was present to his disciples, present for the poor people, present for everybody and this was changing so at the end of his life he could say in john 15:15 15, 15, i no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing i have called you friends because i have told you everything i have heard from my father jesus has become our true friend He has tamed us. In a way, we have tamed God through Jesus so that we don't have to be afraid anymore, so that God is not anything to us, but we have seen him. He has become a face. He has become unique for us. He now stands out. Now we know who God is. It's Christ.
0: Isn't it wonderful now in the, in the rite, in the liturgy of the church, we are actually recall, you know, show us the light of your face.
1: Yes. This is what our longing is to see the light of his face.
0: Thank you so much, Father Mauritius.
1: You're very welcome, Chris. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. To hear and or to download this program along with hundreds of other spiritual programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope if this has been helpful for you that you will first pray for our mission and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about Discerninghearts.com and join us next time for the Holy Rule of Saint Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi.